for everyone that's tuning in, I hope you're having a great week, and thank you for joining Data Wonderment for podcast number seven. We'll begin this week's podcast by discussing how the data that internet companies collect can be used for the public good. This article is from Harvard Review. As the new year begins, difficulties arise from climate change to terrorism. As new changes occur, so do new solutions. New forms of data collection and new methods for organizations to collaborate in order to extract insights from data is likely to become more central to meeting these challenges. And whether you know it or not, right now we live in a quantified era. In just the last two years, 90% of the world's data was generated. And currently, businesses use social media platforms to offer insights to societal patterns and behaviors. In the first part of this podcast, we will discuss how public and private organizations can join forces to use social media data. This can be done through data collaboratives to migrate and perhaps solve some of the most intractable policy dilemmas. And I will talk about data collaboratives, public and private partnerships for our data age. Most data today is collected by the private sector. Private sector data is often held for competitive advantages. This data contains tremendous insights and avenues for policy innovation. However, it often goes untapped. Data collaboratives offer a way around this limitation. They represent an emerging public and private partnership model. Participants from different areas, including the private sector, government, and civil society come together to exchange data and pull analytical experience in order to create new public value. There are six types of data collaboratives enabling the exchange of data and data science expertise across sectors to create public value. The first one is data cooperatives or pooling. This involves corporations and other entities joining together to create shared data resources. The second one is corporations making data available to quantified applicants who complete the to develop new apps or discover innovative uses for the data through prizes and challenges. The third one is data collaboratives. These can take form as research partnerships, as well as corporations sharing data with universities, academics, or other researchers to enable the generation of new insights. The fourth one is corporate data that can be used to create intelligence products such as tools, dashboards, reports, apps, and other technical devices to support public or humanitarian objectives. The fifth one is application programming interfaces, also known as APIs. These offer direct access to corporate data streams, as well as data that can be manually scrapped and is enabling researchers and practitioners to access data for research, testing, and data analytics. The sixth one is corporations that share data with a limited number of trusted intermediaries, such as the UK's Consumer Data Research Center to enable data analysis and modeling and other value chain activities. Data collaboratives are global and cross-sectional. Now we'll discuss how the exchange of data can help solve public problems. Data collaboratives can help unlock insights from vast, untapped stores of private sector data. 
Research applied to social media data in indicates five public value propositions. The first one is situational awareness and response. Social media data helps others better understand demographic trends, public sentiment, and geographic distribution of various phenomena. An example is the Facebook Disaster Maps Initiative. Facebook shares info and data to inform more targeted relief efforts from responders. Facebook shares its data and self-reported safety data collected through its platform with partner organizations. In return, this helps with public good and actually saves lives. Now we'll talk about knowledge creation and transfer. Data collaboratives can bring together widely dispersed data sets in the process creating a better understanding of possible correlations and casualties, as well as what variables make a difference for each type of problem. And now we'll discuss public service design and delivery. Private data sets often contain a wealth of information that can enable more accurate modeling of public services and help guide service delivery in a targeted, evidence-based manner. To predict and forecast, richer, more complete information from data collaborative enable new predictive capabilities for policymakers and others, allowing them to be more proactive. The impact of assessment and evaluation is data collaboratives can aid in monitoring, evaluation, and improvement. By leveraging social media data, public interest actors can rapidly assess the results of their actions to iterate on products and programs when necessary. And now we'll discuss professionalizing the responsible use of private data for public good. The practice of data collaborative remain ad hoc and limited. The result of the lack of a well-defined professionalized concept of data stewardship within corporations. By establishing data stewardship as a corporate function recognized within corporations as a valued responsibility, and by creating the methods and tools needed for responsible data sharing, the practice of data collaboratives can become regulated, predictable, and de-risked. For the next part of our podcast, we'll discuss four ways to apply data science to social media marketing in 2018. Complex relationship patterns and groupings can become clear through visualizations. Harvard Business Review marked data science as the sexiest job of the 21st century, and now that's really saying something. From social media marketing, promises a lot from consumer personas to social media listening to complex data patterns made easy to understand via visualizations and data science. The overall message here is data science promises a lot in the future and it's, and it's a field that's really growing. Now we'll discuss moving beyond words with data science powered tools. Word clouds have been trusted tools for social media marketers to analyze social media markets to analyze social conversations. Word clouds are really, really good tools. Here are some tools that leverage the power of data science. The first one is buzz graphs. Buzz graphs shows you how words are linked and which words are most frequently used. The second one is entity analysis. This helps associate words and small word groups with their semantic types such as brand, a person, a website, etc. Data Science for Community Groupings 
Social media marketing campaign results need to be measured and improved continually. Targeting strong connected groups naturally amplifies campaign effectiveness. Your first goal should be to identify topic areas that receive good responses as a standing point for your community grouping campaign. Based on frequency of keywords observed, you should then identify the most commonly discussed topics in social conversations. A good tool for this is machine learning and social media message classification and also to create a leverage cluster analysis. This is when you identify how people participate. Such analysis can then group people together separating weakly connected groups. You should always use visualizations for greater insights. Social media explosion has been one of the reasons why the volume of global data is surging every single year. Visualizations make it practical for marketers to understand user stories and generate insights that can massively improve social media marketing. Social graph visualizations showcase the social dynamic playing out around the United States. A good tool for this is SociLab. This lets us visualize our LinkedIn network and evaluate its quality. This is spelled as S-O-C-I-L-A-B. Complex relationship patterns and social groupings can become clearer than ever through visualizations. You should always use tools such as Hootsuite Analytics to make sure social media metrics are extremely visual. Now we'll talk about advanced persona research backed by social media listening. Customer personas are much more effective than broad demographic descriptors. Personas really humanize the topic. Social media listening platforms can allow marketers to access global conversations, bringing together large data volumes and catching customer trends and opinions. You should begin with social media listening for researching a central topic. From the general data, build maps of the most crucial customer conversations. Export your data to a spreadsheet and clean it. Develop a listening dashboard to monitor discussions. Study the natural language of the market and build it into your customer personas. This helps copywriters create social content that converts more often. The idea that social media should play a role in consumer insights research and not just a channel for engagement content sharing is new. Social media data has changed from a method for measuring marketing performance into an invaluable source of customer and consumer insights. Social media isn't about marketing success, it's about providing insights. The key difference between using social media to test marketing success and generating consumer insights lies in what you measure and report on. Further, audience analysis is at the core of mining social conversations for consumer insights. To find your target market, ask questions specific to your demographic profile. Studying the target audience proactively helps tailor the message and marketing campaign more effect efficiently. You should always be using trend analysis. This identifies the changes in your industry. This also allows you to identify common motivation and behavioral denominants. Your product strategy should involve listening to consumer conversations and making the necessary changes to your product strategy. 
Social media analysis of consumer conversations can save brands a lot of retroactive efforts with product innovation. With brand analysis, when companies can identify key conversations around an audience segment of a brand, it helps them monitor perception and evaluate what's working. The key is when you ask the right questions about a tailored data set, it can open up a whole new realm of consumer insights. Hey everyone, so thanks for joining us for the second part of our podcast. We'll begin by discussing Social Media Examiner and webinars, and specific how to market and sell using webinars. Our guest speaker is Amy Portershield. I'd like to begin this discussion with a new tool for Twitter and Instagram followers. This tool is named Social Rank. It allows you to connect your account to this and see your most responsive follower, best followers, analyze people you're following or people following you. This is overall a great system to use to just track your followers, etc. Using a ranking system, it tracks influential people following you. You can create reports and experiment with them. You can also export the reports through their tool. Again, that's socialrank.com. Amy Porterfield is an online marketing expert. She uses webinars to promote and sell products. Amy began in her corporate job. She started by making webinars for her company, and now she does her own gig and makes webinars for various companies. She recommends using a website called gotowebinar.com. Amy says webinars are more personal. She made her first webinar in 2010. Today, Amy uses webinars to teach and sell. She says webinars are 60 minutes that you can use to wow people. And whether your consumer buys or not, they feel driven to better themselves. So now we'll discuss how to use webinars to market and sell. Pre-recorded online courses sell really well on webinars. Live online workshops sell good also. Amy says you should have one hour workshops each week. And this really boosts your audience. Putting together packages for coaches and consultants sells really good on webinars. Physical live events don't sell well, and physical products don't sell well. Typically, out of every 100 people, 20% actually show up live. You want to see 40% showing up live as an ideal target, according to Amy. To get to 40%, you should run Facebook ads typically 10 days before the webinar. And a key thing to keep in mind is the closer someone signs up to the webinar date, the more likely they are to show up. You should bump up your ad spend one to three days before the actual webinar. The key is to go for concentrated time. You should also send out a pre-webinar email sequence. You should create four to five emails before you go live, and the first email should be five days before you go live. Doing three different things encourages them to show up live, giving them a cool story and giving them a reason to show up. You should really tease the audience member and not give the answer, but you should just tease them with what you'll teach. So maybe list questions and have them answer the questions on their own. And then when you go live on the webinar, 
actually answer the question so it gives them a reason to show up. You could do this by creating a workbook with fill in the blank. This just works as a teaser. They work on this during the webinar. They'll go through the workbook and it'll be like, wow, I really want to learn about that. A good website to use for emails is Infusionsoft. It is really reliable. You should ask two to three questions in one, e one of the emails, and these should be simple questions, and you should get them to answer these questions before the webinar. With your free content, you should answer the what. With selling, answer the how. You want them to walk away feeling like they learned something. You should hit on emotions and, and really connect to what they're thinking and feeling. With live webinars, you're likely to see a high conversion rate. You should explore a mix of evergreen, which is pre-recorded in live webinars. And to do this, you should use easywebinar.com. So for the last part of our podcast, we'll discuss how innovative marketers are outsmarting fragmentation in e-commerce. So a smart tip is to have a $0 early advertising budget rather than a $100 million advertising budget in the early stages of your campaign. Roan, an underwear company for men in its first year, invested a $0 budget when they launched. And they really noticed that minimalism fueled their growth. The company collected consumer data and reinvested that knowledge into its traffic acquisition operations. And they really noticed that customer opinions are really important and simplicity is good. Rona Men's Clothing Company studied their potential best customer shopping habits. Out of this, rather than investing $100 million in advertising spend, they invested zero, and they really learned smart strategies to target these consumers. To build high-converting campaigns, Roan collected data around the following. They collected words consumers use to describe products. They, they also collected images that people find appealing. And they collected relationships between website interactions and purchase likelihood. They collected product feedback and satisfaction rates. And they collected website usability to ensure that people can buy products without confusion or technical friction. And they did all this by, by still maintaining real-world, in-person interactions. By starting with a $0 initial advertising budget, Roan was forced to figure out their highest potential customer first. Their second tip is to recognize that you're likely overcomplicating things even when you think you're not. You should pursue a few low-cost acquisition strategies. You should quiz on your product and really see what, what consumers like and answer their questions. Their third tip is to build up an overarching strategy. When you push an idea, you stop listening to the market. When you run into failures, just move on. And the key of this is to choose tools that are additive to an overarching strategy. These tools will help you learn about who your customers are, what they care about, and what matters to them. And according to Roan's CEO, there is a a power starting from minimalism investment. He says if you start with minimal investments, you're, you're likely to work harder to build your business. So thank you for tuning in with us. 
for podcast number seven, and I hope to see you next week.